You know, that's what the church is all about. It's not called to be a show and demonstrate what we can do. We're here just to lift up Jesus Christ and see what he can do. Do you believe that? Say amen. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would, to John. The Gospel of John, chapter 6, and verses 26 and 27. And I'd like to read them this morning out of the New Living Translation. The Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 26 and 27. And there it says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs, not because you understand my ministry, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Today we're going to look at a, an aspect of Jesus' ministry that you just can't ignore. The many miracles that he performed during his three, and a half, three years or so ministry here on planet Earth. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are 64 recorded miracles. And then there are three other occasions in the Gospels that it basically says Jesus performed many miracles and many healings. And so when you read the Gospels, you see that miracles were a very significant aspect of Jesus' ministry. Miracles weren't merely a sometimes event. They were a frequent occurrence. But what about today? What about right now? Does God still do the things that he did then? Does Jesus still perform miracles today? Well, let me give you the short answer, and it's yes. Yes, he does. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, what he could do back then... He can do today. He hasn't changed. He's at work in the lives of people all around the world today, answering prayer, touching people's lives in a way that can only be described as something supernatural, as divine intervention. And the truth is that every one of you sitting here today, doesn't matter what your age, what your background, you can see and experience His power at work in your life as well. You can actually experience a miracle in your life. And so today we're going to talk about how that happens. It begins with understanding the meaning and the motives behind the miracles that Jesus performed. So as we begin today, I want us to look at five observations, five things about Jesus' ministry of miracles. And when I'm talking about miracles, I'm talking about things that he did to override, so to speak, natural events. For example, he, people, he healed people from all kinds of afflictions. He delivered those who were oppressed by Satan. He raised two people from the dead. One time he fed 5,000, another time he fed um, 4,000, and he did it with just a few loaves of bread and some fish. Uh, on one occasion, he walked on water. On another, he calmed a raging storm at sea. He turned water into wine at a wedding, and the list goes on and on and on. So what did these miracles mean, and why did he do them? Well, the first thing that I want you to see this morning is what his motive was not. I want you to understand what his motive was not when it comes to doing those miracles. Jesus never performed miracles to draw attention to himself. He never performed miracles to draw a crowd. He never performed miracles to uh, advertise his ministry. In fact, 
He did just the opposite. He was very low-key in his approach to uh, miracle and healing ministries. Many times, when he healed a person, he would basically speak to that person and say, Don't tell anyone about this. Don't tell anyone what I just did. For example, there was a time in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, some people brought a man to Jesus who could neither speak nor heal. He asked if this man could be healed. Well, Jesus took the man away from the crowd, away from the center of attention, away from the center of attraction, and he quietly and very discreetly restored the man's ability to hear and speak. This was his basic method. You know, he didn't bring people who were sick up onto this platform, up onto the stage for thousands to see, and have them throw their crutches away and stretch out their hand, dance in a circle to demonstrate to the throngs there the power of his ministry. No, he had no, no desire to promote himself in that way. And there are a number of possible reasons for this, but, but I believe underneath the primary opinion, my primary, my primary reason, uh, let me say that again. How many of you have ever had trouble talking? I need a miracle right now. I, I really believe his primary reason for doing this was that Jesus simply was not willing to, to um, take people and uh, build his ministry up by using people. It was just the opposite. He used his ministry to build up people. And I think that's the way the church needs to operate today. Our ministry isn't to build people up or build up ourselves. Our ministry is to build up people through the power of Jesus Christ. And so his motive in working miracles never was for self-promotion. The second observation, second thing I want you to see here is Jesus healed people in spite of the inevitable risks that were involved. And there were some heavy-duty risks that were involved when he uh, performed miracles. What were those risks? Well, one of them was that people would only see him as a miracle worker, not as the Messiah. The people would focus simply on the flashy aspect of his ministry, what he could do for them in the here and now, rather than focusing on the eternal significance of his teaching. After Jesus fed the 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and a couple of fish, the next day he and his disciples wanted to get away from the crowd. But it didn't work that way. The crowd found where he was. They came looking for them. And when they caught up with Jesus and the disciples, he responded by saying the text that we shared a moment ago. I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. Not because you understood what my ministry is all about. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. You see, this risk is as real today as it was back in Jesus' day. You know, a whole lot of people come to the church, come to Christianity today, not with an attitude that says, I want to know what's really true. I want to know what's real. I want to know what matters for all eternity. What does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And what does it really mean to walk in obedience? What does it mean to live a a life of holiness? No, they come instead with an attitude that says, what's in it for me? What are the benefits for me? What can I get out of this? 
what can Jesus do for me today? It's kind of like going to a shopping mall and going to this store and that. And I, I want to find out what the church can do for me here. And I, I want to find out what Jesus can do for me here. The paradox is he can do amazing things for every one of you right now. And he will. But when you focus only on the flash of Christianity, on getting your needs met in the moment, it's so easy to miss out on what the real value and what's involved in living a Christ life. Jesus knew from the very beginning that this was one of the major risks that he had when he healed people, that many would miss the point of what it really meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And this is why John said in John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what, what was in each person's heart. And yet, in spite of this risk that a whole lot of the people were going to miss out on what his ministry was all about, he still continued to heal people. But there was also another risk, maybe even a more dangerous risk. You see, the miracles that Jesus performed caused the religious leaders to view him as a threat to the status quo. To see him as a threat to their livelihood, if you please. And in John chapter 5, Jesus healed a man who had been sick for 38 years. It happened on the Sabbath. And so it resulted in a confrontation with the religious establishment who believed that it was a sin for someone to heal someone or do anything on a day of rest. And John says that the Jewish leaders from that point out began to harass Jesus simply because he performed a miracle on the Sabbath. Well, a short time later, one of Jesus' closest friends, a man by the name of Lazarus, became ill and died, and Jesus at the time was in another community. When he heard about it and finally arrived back at Lazarus' home, which was in Bethany, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Lazarus was, it appears, to have been a very popular man, a very influential man in his community. There were a number of people who were there grieving with Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters. And when Jesus arrived on the scene, he asked to be taken to the place where Lazarus had been buried. They all followed him to the tomb, and it was a cave, and there was a large stone in front of the opening. When they got there, Jesus told them, roll away the stone. Well, Martha objected, basically saying, Lazarus has been dead for four days now. His body, no doubt, has begun to, to decay. You can't do that. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. You would see the power of God. Well, after they had moved the stone, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And just a moment later, a figure made his way out of that tomb. He was wrapped in grave clothes, his hands, his feet, his face. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and, and let him go. And you see, that's the power of Jesus. But that miracle was a turning point in the ministry of Jesus as well. Because of this miracle, the religious leaders got together. They decided that this Jesus was far too powerful that things were getting out of control and it would be far better for the nation if 
this Jesus would die. Well, Jesus healed Lazarus, absolutely knowing the risk involved, knowing the cost that was there as well. He knew that if he raised Lazarus from the dead, there would be amazing repercussions. But he did it anyway. Why did he do that? This leads me to the next thing I want you to see. Sometimes Jesus healed people simply to teach a spiritual truth. Sometimes he just wanted to get his point across. In Mark chapter 2, four men brought their friends to Jesus to be healed. And it was a difficult time getting there, but when they finally got to Jesus, he said to the man, My child, your sins are forgiven. He didn't say, rise up and walk at first. He said, my child, your, your sins are forgiven. Well, once again, this offended all the religious people there. Because in their way of thinking, God, only God can forgive sin. This is blasphemy. So Jesus said, and I love the way he responded in Mark chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or to say to him, stand up? Pick up your mat and walk. So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. In the very next chapter of Mark, Jesus is in the synagogue. It's another Sabbath day. And there's a man with a shriveled hand who was there as well. Well, the religious leaders were just waiting to see what Jesus would do. And because, according to their rules and regulations, as we already saw, it it was wrong to heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus understood what was going on then. And notice how he responded. He says, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life? Or to destroy it. Well, when they didn't respond, because they didn't have a good answer, he told the man to simply hold out his hand, and he restored his hand immediately. He used this moment to make a point, to teach a truth. And the truth was simply this. Any doctrine that prevents you from doing good when you can do good is not good doctrine. Any doctrine that prevents you from doing good When you can do good, it's not good doctrine. In fact, it's just bad religion. And like the other miracles, this one created a tremendous backlash. The Bible says in Mark 3, verse 6, At once, immediately, the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Now, why would Jesus heal someone when it would only lead to trouble for himself? Very simple reason. And it's the next point I want you to see about his miracle working ministry. Jesus healed people because he cares about people. Jesus heals people simply because he cares about people. He was moved and motivated by compassion for others. You see this all the way through the Gospels time and time again. In fact, Matthew chapter 14 verse 14 says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. And then in Matthew 15, before Jesus fed the 4,000, he said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. 
And then in Matthew chapter 20, two blind men came to him asking to be healed. And the, the Bible says, Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes, immediately they received their sight and followed him. Let me tell you about this Jesus that we encounter in the gospel page after page after page. He cares about people. His heart goes out especially to, to those who are hurting, those who are going through difficult times, to the helpless. In Superman 2, when the supervillains are engaged in a, in a major battle with Superman, General Zod says, quote, This Superman is nothing of the kind. I've discovered his weakness. He cares. He cares about these earth people. You know, there's a sense in which you can say, that is Jesus' weakness as well. This is his vulnerability. He cares about people. He really cares about you and me. Not only to the extent that he was willing to heal people at his own personal risk, but to the extent that he was willing to go to the cross and give his life and die so that you and I might have eternal life. And his compassion hasn't changed, friends. He cares about people today just as much as he did when he ministered on a hillside of Judea. Jesus healed people out of compassion. And I want you to know that whatever you're going through today, whatever situation you find yourself in today, he has that kind of compassion for you. And that brings me to the fifth and final observation I want to make. Jesus often healed people in response to their faith. In response to their faith. There are several instances throughout the Gospels in which Jesus says something along these lines. According to your faith, let it be done to you. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now, when we get into a discussion about this power of faith, I always proceed carefully. I don't want any, anyone to misunderstand the, the faith message and what faith is all about. Because there are a lot of people, there are a number of people out there who say, well, if you have problems in your life, then you obviously don't have enough faith. They say, if you're sick, if you're struggling financially, then you're just not exercising enough faith. You know, there's a, there's a Hebrew word for that kind of thinking. There's a Hebrew word for that kind of theology. And you know what it is? Baloney. <laughs> it just absolutely isn't true. And it sounds like what they're saying is, let's blame the victim. You're having a problem, it's all your fault. Well, we shouldn't blame our problems on a lack of faith. But neither should we ignore what the Bible says, specifically what Jesus said, about the power of faith. I mean, he made this statement in Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Now, first of all, Jesus is not saying that if you believe, you can tell God what to do and how to do it. He is saying that if you believe, you can overcome any problem. You can conquer any challenge that life brings your way. 
Let me give you a, a living illustration of what faith can really do. An incredible demonstration of faith's power to conquer life's greatest problems. It was about 50 years ago, and a young teenage girl was out swimming with her friends in a, a lake, and she dove in, and it turned out to be shallow. She hit her head on a rock and broke her, her neck, and she became a quadriplegic. And, and, and she was completely paralyzed. And she, she had enough background to pray for healing, but healing never came. However, she didn't just pray for physical healing. She also prayed for the power to overcome the limitations of her paralysis. And as a result of her faith, this power came into her life in a big, big way. Johnny never got up and walked, but she did learn how to write using a pen in her mouth. She also learned how to paint using a pen in her mouth. And... Uh, she began sharing her story all over the world. And of course, she still had her voice. So she would go out and tell stories about Jesus, and then she began to sing about him as well. As a result of her ministry, an amazing number of people's lives were touched and changed and came to Christ. This began almost 50 years ago. She's now... 66 years of age, I understand, and her ministry today is stronger than ever. Through her efforts, literally millions have come to, to understand what the overcoming life is really all about. Because even though she never did rise and walk, she overcomes the limitations of her paralysis every day of her life. And she does it by the power of faith. Today, her ministry spreads over the entire world, including many third world countries. She and her team reach out to, to people with physical handicaps, physical limitations, and not only ministers to them, but works with their families and close friends. And even though she has never experienced that one specific miracle that would get her out of her wheelchair and she would walk again, she has, in the past 40 plus years, experienced more miracles than most people could experience in over 10 lifetimes. You see, that's the real power of faith. Having faith doesn't mean that you dictate to God how you think He ought to operate and run your life in every single detail. But it does mean that you will be able to conquer through His power any challenge. Any problem that comes into your life because Jesus responds to faith. Jesus responds to our faith throughout his ministry on earth. Jesus was a miracle worker. He was moved with, with compassion when he encountered people who were hurting. In fact, the Bible basically says he was blown away when some people had incredible faith. But I want you to understand something about the nature of miracles. Because sometimes we wonder, well... If God is a miracle-working God, then why doesn't He just fix all my problems? Why doesn't He just blanket, take care of all this stuff, and get life running the way I think it should run? We need to understand something about miracles. They all have a pretty short lifespan. Let me say that again. Every miracle that you see has a pretty short lifespan. They only last for a relatively short period of time. Think about it. Everyone that Jesus healed when he was here on earth, they all eventually died. And Jesus calmed that storm at sea, and yet how many of you know more storms came to the Sea of Galilee? 
Jesus fed 5,000 one day, 4,000 another day, and man, they were full. They had 12 baskets left over, and yet how many of you know that they got hungry before too long? So in this sense, those physical miracles that we experience have a pretty short lifespan. And we may see our own particular need as the most urgent thing ever. But even when that need is met, through God's gracious and generous, miraculous intervention, another need just snaps true all too fast. Miracles aren't meant to last forever, because nothing in this life is meant to last forever. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 6, But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. You know, we have a tendency to see life from this present moment. What's happening in the here and now, right now? What is urgent today? And we, be, we become under the tyranny of the urgent. I, I need this bill paid right now. And I need to be healed right now. I need help in my marriage right now. I need a job and I need it right now. And on and on and on the list goes. Jesus, however, sees our lives in the context of the big picture. Not just this moment. But he sees our life in the context of all eternity. And for this reason, let me just ask you, how many of you think Jesus probably has a better perspective on life than you do? How many of you really know he has a better perspective on life than that person sitting next to you? Absolutely. You see, our challenge is to learn to see life from his perspective. Our challenge is to learn to see life looking through his lens. Now, what about Jesus working miracles in our lives today? Well, friends, he still does. He still will, and he desires to. And when we understand his big picture perspective, it becomes easier to recognize how he's at work in our lives right now. Today, if you need a miracle, I want you to understand a couple of things. First, you can bring your needs to Jesus. I don't care what they are. Big, small, doesn't matter. Whatever they are, you bring them to Jesus. Ask Him for His help. And you can be sure that He cares about your situation because He cares about you. When you have a need, whatever the need is, you can always bring it to Jesus. And secondly, I want you to know that when you do bring your need to Jesus, you can be sure that He'll respond to your faith. You can be absolutely sure that he'll respond to your faith. Remember, Jesus responds to faith. And the mere act of asking him for his help is a demonstration that you have faith. It's the first step of faith. He'll honor it. Put your faith in him by asking for his help. But then, second step, trust him. You have to trust him to give you the power to conquer whatever situation you may face and do it according to His will, not according to your desire. You see, when you put your faith in Him, there are going to be times when miraculously you rise and walk. There are going to be times when the storm is silenced. There are going to be times when the floodgates of heaven and all blessings are just going to pour out all over you. It's going to be an amazing thing. A miraculous thing happens in your life just like that. But also when you put your faith in Him, there are going to be those times when you conquer that mountain 
in a totally different way. There are going to be times when you conquer that mountain by, through his help and power, you become bigger than that mountain. There are going to be times when, through his power, you're going to be able to overcome that affliction by becoming stronger than the affliction, even though it stays with you. There are going to be times when you can defeat the problem by becoming tougher than the problem because of the power that he's given you. Miracles have a very short lifespan. And our need for them comes and goes, oh, so quickly. But I want you to know, the miracle is not the climax of the story. The miracle isn't the ending of the story. It's the opening scene. It's not Act 3, it's Act 1. The miracle that you experience is just the beginning of the story. What comes after the miracle is what really matters in your life. When you need a miracle, I want to encourage you, pray and ask God for it. Because it will be done one way or another. But don't make the mistake of thinking that God's divine intervention in this one moment is what matters most. You see, that's just the door that opens to what he really wants to do in your life. Do what Jesus said. Spend your energy seeking eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Jesus is still the miracle worker. He wants to work miracles in our lives today. He cares about you. And he's willing to do something great in each and every one of your life at the point of your greatest need. But don't ever forget, the miracle is just the beginning. What matters most is what happens next. Friends, I believe that God wants to do some amazing things in your lives right now. And we're going to take some time and just give him the opportunity. How many of you came to the service today, and you hadn't planned on this, but you came to the service and... You have some kind of a need in your life that you just need God's help. Anyone here? Yeah, a lot of us. And I, I'm going to ask you in a moment to just stand. And we're going to do it Jesus' way. As I said, he, he, he wouldn't just ask you to come up on the stage and do all that. I believe that he works through his people. I believe that he wants to just release faith in this group today. And so if you're here today and you have a a need in your life, it doesn't matter whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to ask you in a moment to just stand, and then I'm going to ask for a, a group to just come around you and lay hands on your shoulders and pray. And here's all you need to do. Here's a quick teaching on pray, on prayer. You simply ask the person, what do you want God to do for you now? Everyone say that with me. What do you want God to do for you now? And a person responds, I want him to do this. And then you know what you do? You just pray and ask God to do that. That's all it is. That's all it takes. But God's going to do some amazing things. And so I want anyone here today who has a special need to just stand right where you are. Or if you can't stand, just raise your hand. And a group is going to come around and pray for you. And God's going to do something. I guarantee you, he will. And remember, it may be a spontaneous, miraculous thing that happens now, or he will give you the strength, the courage, 
He will give you the resource to do what you need to do to become victorious over whatever it is. It's a win-win deal. You're going to see God work in your life. But there needs to be faith. So I want to pray with you first. And then I want you to stand. And then we're going to ask people to gather around you and pray. And then following that, we're just going to open it up for other ministry time. But will you bow your heads with me? Holy Spirit, just come. And we pray that you would fill this place with the spirit and power of Jesus Christ. We ask that you would release your gifts of healings upon this congregation. We ask that you would release faith above and beyond what we've had before. We pray that you would bind the hand of the evil one and that you would release the freeing power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray that you would minister in love and faith to each person here. And we pray that some amazing things would happen. Miraculously, yes, just now. But also, Lord, that you would just release the ability to go on and become bigger than that problem. To become stronger than that situation through your ministry of faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.